Hello, greetings and salutations. Welcome to the podcast that looks back at albums, movies and video games to ask anyone for seconds. I am your host, Dave. Right, first thing we're going to do is ignore the fact that this is the second time I'm having to write this bloody script because of a computer error. And I'm not at all annoyed by this, all right? So we're not even going to mention it. Despite the fact I had an amazing joke about the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles and do you know what? I don't care. We're covering 1997's Warriors of Virtue. To hang with us, you got to be initiated. One day, one ordinary kid will be transported... Come on! ...to an extraordinary world beyond the boundaries... ...of imagination. new world. Welcome to the other side. You're really a newcomer? Ruled by fear. I want him alive! Houston, we have a problem. He is the last hope to bring together five legendary warriors. How's it going? He is often a bit cranky. Who use the forces of nature as their weapons. Wood, fire, earth, metal, and water. Now, the battle against the ultimate evil. The answer lies with you. Is about to begin. Come out and Touchdown. Bye-bye. I can't leave them. They need me here. You are invited to enter a remarkable world. Yes! Where nature is your weapon, but you are the ultimate warrior. Warriors of Virtue. Right, just what are the Warriors of Virtue? Simply put, they're anthropomorphic kangaroos. The kick ass and they do kung fu and all kinds of weird shit. This is where the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle comparison was in my last script, but fuck it, here we are. Script two, it's just as good. Dave, 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 you need to stop being so goddamn salty. It's not the listener's fault you fail at being so adept at technology. Let's just jump into a context dump for the dear listeners and we'll wipe away my tears. Warriors of Virtue is an American-Chinese co-production that was released in 1997. In fact, it was the brainchild of the producers of the movie, four brothers, Dennis, Rom, Chris and Jeremy Law. What's notable about these brothers is the fact that they had never produced a movie before. In fact, they were actually all surgeons. You know, fair play to them, sometimes you just got to branch out and do something different. The idea is said to have come from a walk in 1992 while in Hong Kong some of the brothers partook in with their father, Joseph, riffing on the idea of a story involving kangaroos. In an interview with Westworld.com, Joseph states, We agreed with using kangaroos because it is a stand-up animal. It can stand up and fight. They look really strong. They look heroic. Look, I've seen Skippy the Bush kangaroo and I'm going to tell you 
them kangaroos are vicious. Don't even get me started on Roger the Kangaroo from the Tekken series. That git has got a strong punch. He hits you, you fucking know about it. So strong was the idea that the brothers searched for a screenwriter, and the screenwriter they got in the form of Michael Vickerman and Hugh Kelly. While the script was nearing completion, the Law Brothers began to look for a financier and distribution partner. It's said that there was a few interested parties looking to do this, but it meant relinquishing a lot of creative control to the studios, which the brothers did not agree with. They had a whole franchise planned out, and so strong was the belief and dream in this franchise that they themselves actually stumped up the shooting budget. Now, how much was the shooting budget for this film? It's estimated that the shooting budget was around $36 million. I mean, $36 million, that's just walking around money. I mean, come on. I mean, who doesn't have that kind of money to throw at a dream movie project? What's more interesting, though, is that because the brothers self-financed the film and was not owned by a studio, they actually owned the merchandise rights in a completely George Lucas move, and it just so happened that their dad, Joseph Law, owned Smile Industries, which was one of China's biggest toy manufacturers. Naturally, his company would handle the toy sales. It is said that the factory churned out over 1 million figures for worldwide distribution. Such was the power of toys that, according to Action Figure magazine, the Warriors of Virtues toys managed to outsell the other biggest tie-in movie figures available in 1997. Yes, they outsold the mighty behemoth known as Batman and Robin. Now that is an achievement in its own right. Come on, it's friggin' Batman. Don't worry though, my dear listener. Batman and Robin will get its time to shine on the podcast soon. Chill out. In 1995, a deal was struck with MGM for them to distribute the film at Cannes Film Festival. MGM would throw around another $15 million to market it and get it into as many screens as possible. But let's not get ahead of ourselves though. Ronnie Yu was brought into direct his first ever English language film. Now, some of you out there may recognise the name Ronnie Yu. Why do I know it? Well, along with being a prolific action director back in Hong Kong during his initial early days, he would go on in the States to direct Bride of Chucky in 1998, the Samuel L. Jackson vehicle, the 51st State in 2001, and A4S favourite, Freddy vs. Jason in 2003. With a cast headed up by Braveheart's Angus McFadden. Wait, wait, hold on. That that can't be right. Angus McFadden? He was second to known racist Mel Gibson in Braveheart. Alright, alright, okay. Anyone of interest in this cast? Let's have a quick look. I can't seriously be selling this on bloody Angus McFadden. Ah, oh, Doug Jones was in this. He, he played a kangaroo. That's much better. You, you all know, like, Doug Jones, right? He's an amazing suit before me. He works quite a lot with Guillermo del Toro. He plays the zombie in Hocus Pocus. There you go. Got it. It's clicked. Got, I got you covered. Anyway, filming started in January 1996 and was wrapped by May 96. The animatronic kangaroos, now that's a fucking sentence I didn't think I'd say this morning, was provided by Tony Gardner. If you've seen a film in the last 20 to 30 years, there's a good chance he's probably worked on it. Most notable of his resume are the four Jackass films and its spin-offs, the Zombieland movies, 2007's musical Hairspray, 1999's Wild Wild West, 
and even 127 hours with James Franco. You know, that, that one where he lops his arm off. That's the one. Lovely, lovely stuff. Warriors of Virtue was released on the 2nd of May 1997 in 2,101 screens in the States. It made an eye-watering 3.2 million in its opening weekend. Now, just what the hell was it up against that weekend for it to get such a battering? Well, there was just this really small unknown film that nobody really knew about at the time called Austin Powers International Man of Mystery. And along with that, the Kurt Russell vehicle Breakdown, directed by Jonathan Terminator 3 Mosto. Ouch. That's some poor planning right there. In terms of other PG-rated films out at the same time, the Star Wars Special Edition re-releases were doing quite well as well at the time, and a lot of other releases like Volcano, The Saint, and even The Liar Liar were rated PG-13, so it's likely that the target audience for Warriors of Virtue were probably seeing those films instead, more specifically something like Liar Liar. During its lifetime, Warriors of Virtue would only make $6.5 million worldwide. Not quite the $60 million or so that was far owned at this film. Upon its release, Warriors of Virtue was met with negative reviews. At the time of recording, it has a score of 18% on review website Rotten Tomatoes and has a user review of 4.7 out of 10 on imdb.com. There's no Metacritic score for this one, I'm afraid. Let's have a look at some reviews. Roger Ebert, yeah, that Roger Ebert, he gave the film a 2 out of 4, stating... The movie looks better than it plays and gets rather tiresome. Wade Major from BoxOffice.com gave the film a 3 out of 5, stating, Warriors of Virtue could be the most impressive Hollywood debut yet for a Hong Kong director, although lacklustre writing and a needlessly modelled storyline somewhat tarnish the effect. Interestingly, there's also reports of Kale Klein of the Carlsbad current Argus supposedly got so physically distressed during the viewing of the film that he vomited. Now, I couldn't find any sources to back this up, but God, I hope it's true. Anyway, it's synopsis time. This time, a thank you to... Anonymous on imdb.com for providing this. A young boy is whisked away to the magical land of Tao, where he becomes the centre of a conflict between an evil lord and a group of animal warriors. Right, with all that context out of the way, shall we watch some mutant kangaroos do a fight and such? I think it is time to ask anyone for seconds. Let's join in the watch along now. Okay. Right. Never seen this. This is going to be a completely new experience for me. So I guess we should just jump in, right? And see how it goes. MGM Lion. There we are. So, I think, I remember the toys more than I remember the f actually seeing any trailers for the film or anything when I was much younger. I remember seeing the toys in toys, in like toy shops in town and stuff, and I vaguely recall seeing the trailer once on TV. Uh when I was really young and I thought that looks like my kind of thing but then it's kind of disappeared into the um into the ether because anyone you talk to about this just plain refuses to even acknowledge its existence or even you know know about it which is 
I mean, fair given um, given like how many uh, like screens it went into and how much money it made. Like, I can see this being a real sort of cult curio though on home video. I mean, so much so that when I was kind of looking up facts and information for this, uh, apparently they did a sequel, which I was not aware about, and they've ditched all of the kangaroo costumes to to just have blokes just sort of running about. So I guess they've got to cut some corners somewhere for, um, you know, budgetary value, but sure, whatever. Um, like I say, I'm I know the toys more than I know sort of the actual film itself because they they often turned up, like I said, in a lot of toy stores and even like back down to like ten years ago or something, they were still turning up in places like Poundland because they just shifted because like they made so many of them, it was kind of like trying to get rid of them, you know what I mean? Because I, I refuse to believe that, it out, that they outsold Batman and Robin toys. I'm just not having it at all. I refuse to believe it. But there we go, so this has just been sort of one of those things that are kind of, you know, rooted at the back of my mind, just sort of a really early childhood memory. And I think... I think it was played once, maybe on TV in the UK, that I remember, and didn't watch it for whatever reason, whether it was during the school holidays and we went out, or what have you, no idea. But, that's a lot of cooking going on right now, very, very showy cooking. I recognise that dude. I'm going to have to look it up. I recognise that dude. Doing a lot of um, fancy cooking. Oh shit! It's J it's Dennis Dunn. I thought I recognised him. He plays the chef in this uh, at this little boy's favourite restaurant. But he's in. Viewers and listeners may know him better for turning up as Wang in Big Trouble in Little China, which is a fucking much better film. <laughs> Sure. That's, that's kind of cool, I guess. Oh, here we go. Football! America! Football! Must admit, coming into this scene, they did have a big pointless American flag flying, so that's a thing. Because, of course, America! Let's go sports ball! Football! Huck em, Chuck em. Football! Um, excuse me, Mr. Mr. Film. Mr. Film. I, I do believe I was promised giant kangaroos in, in my giant kangaroo film. Is is that going to be happening soon? Like, we're, we're, we're about ten minutes in, and, like, I was promised giant kangaroos because I was kind of hoping, like, you know, they'd be punching stuff by now. But, like, they're, they're not. Uh-oh, Chef's had a trip at work. Looks like 
he needs to call claims direct, but it's okay. Donnie Dunn, Denny Dunn, Donnie Dunn saves the day. Catches all of the plates that were launched in the air because he's a badass. Dennis Dunn even, my bad. <laughs> God damn it. Like, that's what I love so much about um, Big Trouble in Little China, right? Is that they make Kurt Russell out to be the big action star. And like, yeah, he's so badass. And he's, and you know, he's got the big gun and he's in the, like, the, the muscle tank vest. He's fucking useless in that film. Like, Wang, played by Dennis Dunn, is the true hero, a martial, martial arts star of that film. Just like totally owning everybody and like punching them in the face repeatedly and kicking them and just generally being a badass Kurt Russell sure he gets the lines and you know you know what old Jab Burden says he says what the hell you know on the on the pork chop express but then it's done he's he's the fucking man <laughs> Wang's the man he's the fucking dude Just for context, for anyone who's like listening now, and is wondering, actually, what 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 is actually going on in this film? So we've had, we've got this little boy called Ryan, and his friend, who I don't know the name of. I think I missed there for a moment. He's obsessed with this Chinese restaurant called Ming's, and he's friends with the owner because reasons. His mum's a workaholic. His dad is elsewhere. So, because he's made the call in the football game that nobody give him credit for, the, the, the older kids have gone, come join us on an adventure in the sewers. And I'm assuming they're going to push him into the, the, big, the big sewers. And he's going to end up in kangaroo land? I think is is how we're gonna go here. It's kind of what I'm hoping for. I'm gonna be brutally honest with you, because again, I I was promised um, kangaroos in 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 my fighting kangaroo film. I really want to see how repulsive they look. Oh, they're gonna do an initiation. Oh, I see. That means they're gonna push him in a whirlpool. Or some shit. I'm just calling it now. We have finally entered Kangaroo Land. So he didn't quite get there as like I thought he would. I guess it was a genuine initiation into the gang. They make him walk over like a big massive pole across a whirling vortex, like like I said, but then like a water tank water pipe spews like shit all over him and he ended up in the vortex now now we're in kangaroo land i i guess i'm kind of now just eagerly anticipating um kangaroos to be honest um yeah it's very very dark looking sure um oh Oh shit, what's that coming from the water? Here we go. It'd it be a kangaroo. 
we're, we're, you know, it only took 20 minutes to get my kangaroo, but I'm, I'm fine with it. Holy shit, it's just done a fucking flying kick. Spinning around in circles. What the fuck is this? What? 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 <laughs> what? Okay. Here we go. Come on. Come on, Rye. Ryan. Rye bread. Rovita cracker. Um, sourdough. Go, go say hello to the awful furry kangaroo. Oh. I mean, to be fair, all I've seen so far is an ear and an eye. And I'm quite hor Oh, and a tail. Um, I'm already quite horrified. I, I guess. So. Uh, okay. Okay. So he, he was wearing a leg brace. Now he's in kangaroo land. He doesn't need it, I guess. Sure. Uh, okay. I'm assuming it's to do with the power of Tau. And balance and equilibrium. That's a point. Why have I never covered equilibrium on the podcast? That's that's genuinely a really good question. I've seen that once when it came out, and I remember that being fairly okay. So then we could be watching equilibrium. We we don't have to be watching horrific kangaroo people. No. Uh-oh, it's a young girl. It's a love interest. I'm calling it now. Yeah, that's a point. I recognise that guy as well. So we're just in the big evil bad guy's palace. who's called Komodo. who's being played by Angus McFadden. Because reasons. Um, one of his henchmen is, is played by Lee Harenberg. And he's known for playing one of Captain Barbosa's crew in Pirates of the Caribbean. I'm, I'm going to say, this this dude does not age, like, at all. I suppose being bald and have a beard helps with that. But nonetheless, like, wow, cool, <laughs> sure. Um... There's not really a lot else to report at the moment. Just kind of Angus McFadden is... He's... Um, you ever seen Twilight? You ever seen Michael Sheen in Twilight? He's chewing the scenery like that. Um, sure. Sure, okay. I suppose if you're in a film with fighting kangaroos, you, you might as well go full ham and camp and cheese with it. Because either you go... Oh, what is with all this slow motion? Oh, this is awful. Um, I mean, either you go proper ham and over the top with it, or you go super serious, and they seem to have taken the 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 ham and cheese route. Um, whether this plays off in the long run, I, I don't know. We'll, we'll see. 
We'll, we'll certainly see on that one. Right. We're being introduced to our kangaroo friends. So my overall impression so far is that these kangaroos are fucking hideous. Like, I, I kind of get the idea and the reasoning behind it. Because like you say, they're quite, you know, they stand upright. They are quite literally, like, muscular, powerful. I kind of get it. But, like, translating them to, like, anthropomorphic animals, they just look like you can throw all the money at it you want. Like, mid-90s budget, you know? There's only sort of so much you can do to make them look good. Like, I kind of get why they abandoned that in this sequel that I will probably never cover. Fingers crossed, touch wood. I kind of get why they... Because, you know, prosthetics and stuff is expensive. But, like, seeing these kangaroos just jump about doing kung fu and shit, it's, like, so weird because they look so like hideous so the best way to describe it is like they're five six foot tall kangaroos with big pointy ears but then they've got like a human face that's been like elongated it looks really really odd like kind of uncanny valley they're they're very um yeah they're a bit unsettling I mean, I'm watching a, a VHS transfer on YouTube. And obviously I'm not going to get the full fidelity of like a proper transfer on a proper source and such. But even still, this is like really quite uncanny how, how they look. What I will say though, so far, actually, the the film is actually really quite competently made. Like, the action scenes where the kangaroos are... Oh, sorry, I'm going to stop calling them kangaroos. They're the warriors of virtue. Um, when they're jumping about and doing martial arts and shit, it looks really cool. And I think that's because of Ronnie Yu. You know, he actually knows what he's doing because he got a start in, like, Hong Kong cinema. And But it does, it does look good. Generally, like, the cinematography as well is really quite on point and... The, the actual set building as well of the world of Tao, it looks really, really good. Like, it's actually really, really impressive. Like, the lighting and stuff as well, it's genuinely really impressive for a mid-90s kind of, uh, all intents and purposes, indie film. You know? can kind of see why it was a bit lambasted, but this is like really quite competently made kid's been here five fucking minutes and he's already bossing them about like Jesus Christ this fucking kid is just the worst like so unlikable you know he's like oh you're supposed to be one of the warriors of virtue and then you ran away because you killed a man no wonder they gave up on you. And blah, 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 blah. It's like been there for two minutes. 
And he's already insulting half of them. It's like... Wow, dude. Like, wow. <laughs> he's literally... A fucking Ninja Turtles ripoff. Like... They're anthropomorphic fucking animals. Like... And they have... And they do Kung Fu. And they all have different traits. You know. And then... You've got their leader... Who's like the Master Splinter type. It's like... Hmm... I mean, you are going to get those comparisons anyway, given the kind of film that it is. But, like, yeah, that's all I'm thinking now. It's like, yeah, this is kind of a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles ripoff. A not very good one, but, you know, it's... It's, it's definitely a, a ripoff of sorts. <laughs> like... The script is really bad. Like, so bad. Angus McFadden is arguably just absolutely chewing all of the scenery. He's the only one who kind of knows what sort of film he's in. Um, the prosthetics are absolutely just nightmare-inducing. But, but the filming is it's surprisingly competent. Which is the really surprising thing. Like, how it turns out when we get into the actual, like, proper fighting sections and proper combat and stuff is yet to be seen. But, I mean, visually, it's not a bad-looking film. The, the, the writing, however, leaves a lot to be desired. And maybe that line there as well. Jesus Christ. This man is just eating all of the fucking scenery. Every single scene he's in. I just... Don't know what he's going to do next. He is so fucking ham with this. Angus McFadden. Fucking bravo, good sir. You certainly know how to steal a scene from fucking every, everyone in the scene around you. Although what I have been thinking for the last few minutes or so is what if... They redubbed the kangaroos and actually made them Australian. And have them say stereotypical Australian things. I don't know if that would improve it or make it worse. I don't I don't really know how I feel about it. I know that Angus McFadden is chewing all the scenery. Um yeah. I just don't get how this is so competently made and yet so boring. It's just kind of new boy goes to new world. They need the MacGuffin. The the girl who was a good guy turned out to be a bad guy because reasons. And I'm going to assume they get the MacGuffin and they save the world. I guess. 
there is such a good foundation here. I don't understand how it's gone wrong. Well, I know how it's gone wrong, but... I don't know. I don't know. like any time Angus McFadden wants to announce his uh, announce himself in the scene he's just screaming at people just literally like ah! he's just screaming in this child's face just like what is this oh my word like I don't know what he's on but I want some of it Wow. Himself to save us, Komodo expended his energy trying to kill Ryan with negative karma. It weakened him. You made the difference, Ryan. It gave us time to combine our forces to defeat him. That's some fucking bullshit right there. <laughs> so let me let me get this straight, right? This is all just fucking bullshit. Like, the boy sacrificed himself, quote-unquote, to save the kangaroo so they could put some medallions together so they can become one and become a glowing light, light beam to blow up the bad guy, but the bad guy's not actually dead. He's, he's just, like, forgotten his memory. But, but the boy's still alive. And... And nobody really died. It just sort of like happened. And then because the guy killed people, he was weakened, I, I guess. Like, it doesn't really make sense. It's trying to do a fucking Power Ranger thing. I'm like, let us join forces and we can beat the evil. But it's just like so bad. Not to mention boring. The action's fucking cool, though. Don't get me wrong. The action's really well shot and it's really cool. But, like, it's just so boring. I'm hoping... This is going to be near the end now. I'm praying... <sighs> well... that That's a film... That, that exists and is definitely a thing um, like over an hour and a half of absolute nonsense and bullshit um, sure he went back home to the moment he fell and then went home and talked to the dog about Tao? Sure. Oh, okay. So it didn't really happen. It, it was all in his head. Sure. Sure. Um, okay. I'm going to need a few minutes. Um, <laughs> I'll see you in a few. Warriors of Virtue is a right oddball of a film. 
doesn't do anything new or spectacular. It's got fighting kangaroos, it's got an annoying kid, and yet I'm still really bored of it. I can't really explain it. What I will say is that for an American big budget introduction, Ronnie Yu knocked it out of the park. I love how the film looks. While in the real world, we've got a standard, unpasteurized world that is truly relatable. But once we reach the Tao realm, it is truly like another world. It's got a dreamlike quality to it. It's subtly surreal and ethereal in its presentation, with glimpses of greenery and shrubbery while recognisable from our homeland. It looks almost alien in the realm of Tao. So much care and attention has been put into this world and building it out. It's staggering. There's so much atmosphere here that you truly feel like some of the characters live and breathe in this world. It's almost a dreamlike quality to this world in the way it's been shot. It's just a shame that the characters that live in the world feel so flat and one-dimensional. Shall we jump onto the writing now? And honestly, it's just dull. There's no style, there's no real element of danger, and not to mention it doesn't make a bloody lick of sense. It's full of predictable twists, turns, and cliches that's part of the course, and it's such a shame because I really do think that there is something here that's really interesting. It just isn't showing in the writing. Your story here is that your typical find the MacGuffin before the bad guy does, your supposed friend is a traitor who then feels bad and gets killed. Oh, hang on, sorry, I mean destroyed, because you can't say killed or died in a family film. Meanwhile, you've got some typical banter between the main heroes. It's just not very good. It's all very flat and it's workmanlike. It's a bit like the acting, to be honest. I mean, the performances are fine. They're the finest performances I've perhaps seen in a film that I would consider to be, well, fine. It's not the most offensive acting in the world I've seen, but it's definitely not the best. What I will say, though, is that Angus McFadden knows exactly what kind of film he's in. He knows exactly this is the most ridiculous shit put to screen. His solution to this is to scream in everybody's face, including the child star, I might add, which, honestly, I don't blame him for one bit. Oh, and his other thing as well is tune this scenery as much as possible. He brings such a manic performance that I generally don't know what to expect. It's utterly unhinged. He steals every scene he's in. I think him and Michael Sheen should have a camp off to see who can be the campest and most bombastic in a film. I don't know who would win, but my god, it'd be fun to watch. Right, I've avoided it for long enough, but how are the kangaroos? Um, they're surprisingly agile, but they're just, my, my word, they're just so, so ugly. Y you know what, though? Actually, that's pretty harsh. For a mid-90s independent film on a mid-range budget, I mean, they're not terrible. They're not good, but they're not terrible. It doesn't change the fact that they're pretty nightmare-inducing. I mean, the tails, the ears, and the other appendages are fine. It's just the face. It just looks off. I don't know what it is, but I just want to suffocate them with a pillow while they're sleeping. They've kept a kangaroo-style face, but they've kept the human features as well, and they just look so uncanny. Your mind is trying to decipher the face as human, but the prosthetics are shouting at you to say, I'm a fucking animal, look at me! And I just don't know what to do. I think it's probably the eyes. They've got human eyes to try and convey the emotions in their performance, but it all just looks so odd. 
I think at this point in time you couldn't do a fully CG character because it wasn't powerful enough. And I don't think you could do it as stop motion because it just looked really dated. But there's going to be a better way to handle the way they look. Perhaps you could put in some subtle CGI, maybe implement it here and there to really accentuate the prosthetics. But the designs are so ghoulish, I don't think it'll help. I mean, I get the whole kangaroo idea, it's great, but there's got to be a better way to do it. A different studio, perhaps, you know, working on the effects? Who knows at this point? On a more positive and less killy note, the fight scenes are spectacular. It's almost as if, you know, having a Hong Kong action film director do an American movie, you know, was a good idea. The choreography is Gorgeous, and seeing these seven-foot kangaroos imitate old kung fu movies doing flips with style and grace, two things that really shouldn't go together to take down the Komodo clan is really a sight to be beheld. Seriously, these things are fucking nimble, and they do it with style, so a particular shout-out goes to the suit operators in this instance, because damn, that is a tricky thing to pull off. My big question, though, is would studio intervention have helped the Warriors of Virtue? I'm unsure about this. While, yes, there would have undoubtedly been a large influx of cash to go towards the budget to improve prosthetics and the suits, I dare say that maybe even the script would have been tweaked and improved as well. But who knows at this point? It's a tricky one to gauge overall, because I really do think there is something magical here. Maybe make it animated, refocused to purely be about the kangaroos and the fight with the Komodo clan or whatever they're called in the land of Tao, as opposed to the kid acting as the audience surrogate being thrust into the world as a main protagonist. I really think that this could have had a large following, and yes, even big franchise potential. It's a shame that we'll never really get it, but it's nice to ponder what could have happened. Overall, this is a film that just doesn't really try anything new or further the genre. It's just sort of there, and it's fine. This might be one for hardcore Wushu fans, but even then, I think they'll struggle given how plodding and generic it is. While it does have some merit in its gorgeous fight scenes, it's been done elsewhere to better effect. How this got a sequel is honestly beyond me. Maybe one day I'll go back to the land of Tao and see what it's really all about. Thanks so much for listening. Has anybody ever heard of this? Or maybe you even own the toys? Get in contact with us. We're over on Twitter as at anyone podcast. We're on Facebook as well. Just search for us and you will find us. Longer rants, rambles, considerations can be sent via email to anyoneforseconds at gmail.com. We do the occasional Twitch stream as well. That's on twitch.tv forward slash anyone podcast. Don't forget to leave us a follow and subscribe over there for more twitchy streamy goodness. Don't forget to leave us a like, rating and review on your podcast platform of choice as it helps us grow the podcast and we can reach more ears. I think with the whole kangaroo thing, I think this week we'll leave you with the theme from Skippy the Bush Kangaroo. Thanks again. Stay safe. You've got this. <laughs>